Hello and welcome to The Rabbit Hole, the definitive developers podcast in fantabulous Chelsea, Manhattan. I'm your host, Michael Nunez, and today we have no co-host and we have no producer. They're traveling somewhere in the globe right now, and we'll be hearing from them soon. And when we do, they'll be back and ready to record. But I'm here holding the fort by myself. Let's go. So the episode that we're talking about today is effectively entering and navigating teams. Now, the good news is I'm not alone here in the room right now. I have a special guest. Today, we have Ka Ma. How's it going, Ka? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing all right. Not alone, which is good. <laughs> <laughs> Ka, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, my name is Ka. I've been working in the industry for three to four years. I've entered teams, exit teams, and today I'm here to talk about how to efficiently enter and navigate the software teams that we find ourselves in. I mean, especially as a consultant, we enter a team. It could be two people. It could be 10 engineers and whatnot. And it could be a wide range of like amount of people in a team. So like every time you enter a new team, it's going to be completely different. But we'll talk about the most effective ways to enter and navigate within a team. So Cobb, what do you see or do you have a definition for a team in this uh, particular context? I think I want to take a step back and look at the team in, in terms of just a collection of people and having a, a common goal uh, that they try to strive towards. And I kind of analyze teams and with the, with the lens of a systems theory where you have agents or stakeholders and you have a goal in mind and you have uh, pressures and, and deliverables. And so we, I want to talk about teams in that lens. Okay. And we had mentioned, we had used the word efficiently or efficiency. So let's define that before we actually get started on how do we enter this team and do it uh, efficiently. If you think about a team, let's, let's say you're a team working for some uh, product and your, your goal is to deliver value to your, to your uh, customers. So how do you achieve that? It's up to you. I think efficiently, how I define it is you, you put in the least amount of effort and you get the most amount of results. So that's efficiency for me. Right. Yeah. So less less energy, most results is the most efficient way to do something. So we enter a team, ev- like everyone at some point in time, whether you're starting a new job or you're contracting at a new place, you have to enter the team. What is the first thing that you would you would want to do or you would tell people to do when you enter the team? The first thing I would do is to take the old saying where it's this first impression is important. Ideally, you get context of what kind of people that you'll be working with before you enter. Mm-hmm. And you want to talk, think about how do I want to present myself? I think in general, you want to be a listener, an right. observer, a spectator mm-hmm. before you begin exerting your influence. Right. You want to have people trust you. So you go in there, you stay quiet, you observe. Yeah, and then like, right, because you don't want to step in day one and start pointing out problems and like figuring out ways to fix things because A, you don't have the full context of things and B, people may not listen because you're like the new person and like for you to come in and like make these changes or ask for these changes. You mentioned like being an observer where you just like quietly observe the things that are happening around you and then kind of, you know, Keep a keep a mental note as to what are some things and patterns that you may see and introduce them at a later time. And when you do that, the amount of like, as you're observing, you're still building trust with the team 
Um, you're letting them know that you're an ally, that you're that you're also here to help. Because like I feel like as a as a consultant, it, that's more difficult. Like when you're a new hire at a company, you know they see you as someone who wants to introduce new changes, and that's fine. But as a consultant, they people may feel like you're there because you want to point out all the bad. But you also need to do this observer stage and kind of look at things and letting them know that, hey, I'm also here. I'm part of the team. I'm also here to help you, us all, in this situation that we're in. Yeah, I think it extends beyond being a consultant. Yeah. I think in general, it doesn't matter. Let's say you're, you're, you're a new CEO. You're being brought into to this company to, you know, as they call it, fix, fix things. <laughs> uh, I, I don't think you should even be... Even if you're in the position of power and if you have the authority to do that, you shouldn't do it. Right. Because I think entering teams is about building relationship. And you, like you said, you don't want to be the guy that's like, yeah, that's wrong. That's yeah. not good. This is not good enough. You don't want to be that Debbie Downer kind yeah. of guy, right? On the first day, right? Like yeah. that's, that's, that's a bit much. It's like an arch- archetype, actually. I think there's like plenty of articles online talking about this. Awesome. Yeah, so like and you mentioned first impression is important and you know just observing as a way of being a part of the team just like knowing what's what's wrong what can be fixed. So let's say we have a new person and Bobby's been observing for some time and finds a couple of things. Is there a time like do you have a time limit as to when Bobby can start introducing new changes or is it like based on the team like what would have to happen first before any suggestions may come about. I think a good way to do this is to first find out what's important to the team. So this goes back to the systems idea. What is the goal here? I think you should know that everyone here is is like the prime directive. Everyone's Mm -hmm. here to do their best. Mm -hmm. It might seem like they're hindering you, but everyone's trying. So if you have that framework in mind, you say, okay, what is the one thing one small or big thing that I can recommend right. that can help us achieve our goals right. and start from there. And it's about knowing that you have the social capital with the people that you work with to say this, these kind of things. Right. And that's where the trust comes in and that's mm-hmm. where your experience comes in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like trust, political capital, I think you mentioned before, and experience all like will give you a gauge of when to start doing said suggestions. So I, I think if I want to dig a little more into that, how you can know that you have enough trust is right. it's really organic. I, I think one good measure is that people are willing to come to you about things on their own. If they're asking for advice, right? if they're asking your opinion on things, right? you not try to give opinion if you're not being asked right and there are times in in, in the software industry where we can do these in 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 the retrospectives Mm -hmm. that would be a good place to start but not too many changes one thing at a time yeah and see how it's received right and i think like the more changes that a person introduces that are successful the more likely that people will trust that person on the next suggestion that they have so it becomes like a snowball of trust that builds and compounds so we spoke about trust and building trust and having trust compound is important. Now that I have all this trust, what could I do with it? Like how does now now what? So so you have more freedom to make mistakes, I would say. And you can experiment more, you can put yourself out there more, and you can try new things. That it's not 
about just efficiency anymore. It's about your own happiness as as a as a person as going to work. Um, you know, your team has your back; that they trust that even if you fail, that you're you're trying your best. Right. Then the idea of like contributing is like fulfilling as a human being, and you can you have more opportunities to do that when you have the trust there from your team. If you didn't have trust, what do you think would be the outcome if you wanted to instill change without trust? Yeah, so if you're the get the archetype dude that comes into the team and starts, you know, scrutinizing people's way of working, you have a negative reputation. And then what happens is if even if you're the best developer in the world, you will make mistakes eventually. So Not me though. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So your successes will be downplayed. Uh-huh. Right? Let's say you have a really cool solution. People will will, will recognize it. Right. But you, you won't really get the full appreciation from it. Yeah. And your failures will be magnified because people do not want to help you. They don't want they don't want to look at you in a positive light. So you're more likely to be seen in yeah, the fact that you came in and made all these like want all these changes and like people didn't have the trust or the the comfortability to back you up. Now, when you make a mistake, it's like, oh yeah, you see, it's because Bobby over here wanted to make this change, and right. now it's like this whole big thing. As you mentioned before, if it would have been positive and you had positive energy and like trust from the team, that mistake would not have been as like, oh, Bobby made a mistake. It's fine. Like we'll fix right. it. Like kind of thing. Um, and it's important. Like you don't want to you you don't want to work with the person who has like negative reputation. That's also that's you know causing all these changes. And you also don't want to be that person because you want to have the the support from your team in the first place when you want to make these changes. Yeah, I think in general, it's just like you want people to like you. Right. Everything's m- much happier and better if people like you and you work with you. Right. I think one thing that I do when I join a team is I try to identify like a key person that has that already has the influence of the team and try to get that person's trust is like, something that I find that I do. And I think it's like almost like subconscious. It's just like in my nature to see like, all right, who's who has the most rapport with everyone? And if I can get if I can get a seat at the lunch table with that person, then that person's gonna introduce me to everyone. Like that's that's the person that I need to talk to. Uh, do you agree? Like is that a, a pattern that you see work for you? Yeah. That's a good sign if there's a person like that on the team. If you can get their buy-in in mm-hmm. terms of the way you think. And if you can identify how they think, it'll be much easier to convince others any ideas that you might have. Yeah, because it's like, oh, that person, he and, and that person doesn't need to be like a manager, or like a high-ranking individual. It could be someone with a lot of tenure. It could be someone with a lot of experience. It could be uh, if it's the either the tech lead or like, a engineer who who's coming up or who really has been there for some time. It could be a wide range of people and there are different criteria that you want to look for when you want to build rapport with someone. Yeah, I think it depends on the team. A manager might not be the best person to get buy-in from. It could be a lead developer that everyone loves to work with because he might be a nice guy, he might be really smart, he might be helping others when they need help. So you have to use your own judgment and identify people like that. And I think, like you said, it's a natural human thing to do anyway. But this is just putting more framework into into how you think. Like we're hired to build software, but we build software well when we can work with our team very well. 
I think is like the idea. Yeah, I think a phrase that I like to use is you you fail and you succeed as a team, not yes. not individually. I totally agree to that. Whether you're succeeding or you have failures on the team, that can cause all sorts of internal pressure amongst the team. Like, you know, you're not hitting your current velocity, like it's been going down. And it depends on how the team is like believes in each other and how they see themselves because if they see themselves very negatively and there's no trust amongst uh, individuals that might be just a lot more difficult to deal with than if everyone has a positive energy to say hey you know there was just that one week we had a lot of bugs production was down and we'll fit we'll turn it around this week kind of thing and i think that that trust is important when you are thinking about how to make things better and it all, it all starts with like that rapport and that trust building and political capital, all sorts of stuff. Yeah. So I think if we dig back into external and internal pressures, um, mm-hmm. external pressures are much easier to identify if you have deadlines yeah. for, for the product that you're trying to hit, if marketing is breathing down your neck. And mm-hmm. oh, <laughs> so yeah. that, that's an external pressure. Yeah. Internal pressures are ones that require a little bit more observation. Like you said, if, if things go bad and in the retro, and people don't talk about issues, that's an internal pressure, mm, right? Yeah. Some, somewhere along the team, people are afraid to speak up. Mm-hmm. So identifying these kind of patterns can help you identify the stakeholders, right? What's going on in this team? Why are people afraid to speak up? Why is the mood down, right? And identifying these opportunities, if you're the person that helps the team solve these kind of problems of, of lack of trust within team members, then you'll be a, a much more valuable player and, and you have much more social capital in the future. All right. So we entered the team. Uh, we've got trust in political capital. We've identified, we've identified into individuals who are, have a lot of, a lot of uh, trust within the team already and people like us. Now we have to navigate through the team. Now that you're able to navigate, what could you do with that power? Well, well these are, I, I don't want to frame it as, okay, I'm here, you know, within a month, I have trust. I don't want, I don't want to put it that way. I want to put it more like it's a continuous process. It's, it's like you're, you're hitting a minimum threshold. Right. And then as you, as you keep navigating the team, as you keep working, you're, you're starting to gain more and more uh, social capital. Yeah. Right. If there's like, a, oh, that guy is the oldest developer or the longest developer on the project. That's kind of social capital. I think one thing I like to do, I didn't hit on when entering the teams is to First, identify the stakeholders yeah. and then just getting coffee, getting lunch as soon as possible. You don't want to, you know, waiting for a month before you start doing that. I think right. the sooner is the better. Right. That way, yeah, because you the earlier you do that, the faster you can build a rapport with those individuals. All software engineers that I work with love coffee. So definitely yeah. shell out the $5 to go out for coffee for individuals. Your company may even allow that to be as part of the budget so feel free to use that if not it's five dollars like go to a coffee shop take people out to coffee people love it do you do you prefer the morning or the afternoon I mean, it's just a side question i have you know. um no preference <laughs> no preference yeah i find that the evening the afternoon coffee anything around three thirty. if i have some then i don't sleep yeah yeah <laughs> but i still do it anyway i think it's important like regardless of people's schedule you should I mean, you should respect people's schedule and then go off from there, whether it's in the morning or the afternoon. I, I want to talk about what happens when you're in, in an, an existing team and a new person joins. Okay. It could so, be a manager 
could be a developer, yeah, could be a designer. Yeah, that was you at one point in time, and now someone new is coming in. So you have an advantage, as in, if you're the person that makes contact, if you're the guy that introduces the person to stand up.、Mm-hmm. I've had teams where new engineers join and no one knows who they are. They're just、uh, a stand up,、mm-hmm. and then they feel bad because、right. no one introduced them. And you want to be the person that looks out for them. So this is an opportunity when new 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 person joins. We were mentioning before, like that was you at one point, and so you know how that feels. So when someone else new comes in, you want to kind of ease them into the team gracefully, so that. That person will then have trust in you that you will do that you would look out for them and have their back and that kind of stuff. And as more people come in and you do that for them, then those people will do that for other new people, and then it becomes a positive way. The team becomes more positive for new people to come in in the first place. I think that when we when we join teams, you often forget that that was one to you, or like you're like so caught up in the work that you're in that you don't give time to do that. And I think that's、uh, a great thing to remind people, like, hey, like, introduce people into the team. Try to make it as nice as you know, because it's it's always you join a team and then you kind of want to forget those times because it's like really hard to enter a team or like you know try to build rapports. But helping someone out and navigating them makes it a whole lot easier. Takes a lot less time. Take that person out to coffee and like tell them the ins and outs and how things work. That way, they have trust in you. When you when they need something done and vice versa, right? Because that person could be a manager,、um, and you introduce them to the team, and they'll definitely like appreciate it. People will appreciate you looking out for them. Yeah, I think I think I would even say that this is probably the most critical point of your relationship with this person. It's this the beginning sets the tone for everything. Right. If you get the beginning well. Everything is easier.、Right. If you get it wrong, if you don't do these kind of things, then you have a little harder time. I think that we should all just like kind of remember when we first joined the team and how that felt, and figure out ways that we can better entering teams so that when new people enter our teams that we're in, we can definitely help them do that. Yeah, identifying individuals, build rapport with the team. Coffee's always good. Lunch, if you got the money and the budget for it, is always good. People love to eat. People love coffee. It's always good. You enter the team. You've been able to navigate. You have introduced new people to the team. Everything is all positive, and people enjoy joining this team.、So、really quick, let's talk about a situation where you may have to expend some political capital, right? Like say. You and the team lead don't see eye to eye on the way that this new feature should work or should be designed, right? Like you may have a different output on how it should be designed architecturally versus、uh, the tech lead. What are your thoughts on the conflicts that may arise within the team and like how to how do you navigate through that? I want to pull back a little bit and don't think of it as me versus the team lead. Right. Any decisions that you make as a team should be. Made with everyone's consensus. The key that I think most people have to recognize is it's not about being right. Yeah. Right. Being right is it's funny to say to a software engineer. It's not about being right. It's not about being the best design. It's about people knowing that the solution that was developed was with everyone involved,、right. and that people's input were listened to. Yeah. That is that is a very crucial thing to do because 
let's say you optimize an algorithm for this design that's you know a little bit faster. Yeah. But if people hate you for it, then <laughs> is it is it really worth it? That's true. Yeah. So like p- listening to people's opinions and being courteous to other people's thoughts in bringing up reasons why you may want to design it a particular way is much better than just like making the algorithm work half a millisecond faster, yeah. right? Because then like everyone's going to look at that piece of code and know that what came from it was like this was a conflict that was a lot more friction than it needed to be. So are you implying that we should be more careful in giving answers or like in clashing with individuals, even if you're quote unquote right? It's hard. Like you mentioned before, it is hard for a software engineer to like not choose the right way to do something. Yeah. So I want to dig into this a little bit. Let's say you have opinion. Mm-hmm. And another person has an opinion, and they and they come, they bring it up, and you know that they're not quite accurate. You don't want to just throw facts at them and say, "No, you're wrong. I'm right. Here's why." And the reason you don't want to do that is because then they will just say, "Oh, they'll just think, oh, I'm not as smart as this guy. Yeah, I can't challenge him. Yeah. I can't have a conversation with him. Like it's especially problematic when the person is right. You don't want to set yourself up for that." pedestal almost right because that's also isolating you from from the rest of the team when you should be bringing them up together right so so for example what i would do instead is is put like a question oh oh, do you oh you really think that this is how it should be um like why You, you let them find out why they're wrong with their own investigation right you don't Rather just than you tell, tell them, them <laughs> hey you're right. wrong here's why right this is almost like a pull request yeah. you don't just say this is wrong you should add more tests or this is an inefficient way to do the things you you ask questions yeah it's about being kind of like a teacher right teacher asks questions and if the the student does not understand that is a failure of the teacher i i do have a strategy and it might be kind of the opposite of what was just mentioned i say we i have a, a an opinion on something and someone just says no we're not doing that i like to then have bring up my opinion with like articles or like things that would show like why it would work. And if I get two no's, then I like let it go. I'd really try my best to bring up and have this opinion that I that I wanted. I don't like to like keep driving it in like, oh, here's more things. Here's why I'm right. Like whatever. Like at that point that I don't think it's just like an agreement that we were able to do, then that's just like the little battle that we had. And we, I just like brush it off. Because the bigger thing is like rapport with individuals at the end of the day. It's not like, oh, I found all these articles that say why I'm right and you're right. wrong, right? Because like that's just, that's just kind of me. But I would want for them to like, you know, take into account information that I have about this particular thing. Whatever happens from there, I just kind of like roll with the punches. Yeah, you don't want to win the battle but lose the war. Yeah, I exactly. Because when you do, then you just have a bad time on the team that you've spent so much time trying to build rapport and trust and stuff like that. There's a lot that goes into like just joining a team. It's not like, oh, I joined the team last week and then I'm over it, right? Like mm-hmm. it takes, it's, you work on it every day when you're constantly joining and uh, navigating through the team. I think eventually you get to into a sweet spot where there's a high level of trust. People are cracking jokes all the time in the office. People are happy to be at work. People come up to you and give you positive feedback and when things are wrong they they actually say it right yeah. these are this is the kind of zen 
moment that you, I, I want to reach when I work in a team and, and not just in software, but in, in general. Right. And I think that what the conversation that we discussed definitely touches all those points and gives people an idea on how to do that efficiently. So Kyle, how can people contact you? How would you like for people to contact you? You can visit my GitHub, github.com slash K-A-M-O-K. 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 Uh, yeah. And you can contact me. I'm, I'm happy to chat and have a coffee if you're in, in the city. Yeah. If you're in New York City, Kyle's the guy. He's willing to chat. Follow us now on Twitter at Radio Free Rabbit so we can keep the conversation going. Like what you hear? Give us a five-star review and help developers just like you find their way into the rabbit hole. And never miss an episode. Subscribe now however you listen to your favorite podcast. On behalf of our producer extraordinaire, William Jeffries, and my amazing co-host, Dave Anderson, and me, your host, Michael Nunez, thanks for listening to The Rabbit Hole.